I also made the case for owning Bitcoin, the quintessence of scarcity premium. Scarcity premium. It's literally the only large tradable asset in the world that has a known fixed maximum supply by its design. The total quantity of Bitcoins cannot exceed 21 million. Bitcoin is the hardest money that has ever been invented. If you don't have my private key, you cannot spend my Bitcoin, period. And this is the power of Bitcoin. It's the first time we figured out how to create true property that you can take possession of with full custodial rights. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Talking in Bits, where we walk you through Bitcoin bit by bit so we can provide you with the information you need to succeed and persist. Back with episode 64, and I got my really good friend Keon here in the house. How's it going, good sir? I'm good, Jose. How are you? I'm doing very well. I was just saying off the mic how this is a long overdue episode, and I don't know why I waited so long. Maybe I was shy. Oh, that's, uh, you shouldn't have been shy. Um, <laughs> this no. this will be a lot of fun, I'm sure. It, it will be. No, I, I just wanted the perfect timing. Um, I know that Stacker News is starting to roll up, and, and well, it, it's been doing its thing, but I think now it's starting to get more of the, you know, a lot of users behind it, and we'll talk about that in a little bit here. But Keon, before we go um, deeper into the conversation, I always like to let my guests uh, share their Bitcoin story. I always think it's not only fascinating to hear the different arenas that people come into Bitcoin from, but the longer they're in Bitcoin, the more fascinating the story. So would you mind just please sharing with our guests your Bitcoin story? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's like, if it gets more fascinating as time goes on. I mean, you, you end up telling it so many times that maybe the like, story gets more colorful as time goes on. But my, my, my Bitcoin story uh, is I first like, encountered Bitcoin as a thing probably like in 2012. Um, I, was a pro, I was just graduating from college and uh, like, saw it on Hacker News or something. And so I became like, peripherally aware of it. Um, but I didn't really connect the... Like, the technology to the philosophy so much. I didn't really get that it was this kind of freedom from uh, the traditional financial system um, until much later. I even so, then I first, I first probably used Bitcoin in 2014. Uh, told the story on another podcast, but it was um, to buy LSD on. Uh, the dark net. <laughs> so, nice. uh, like, so there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people's early interaction with Bitcoin was to use it for illicit purposes, uh, and that was that was mine. Um, I still had not yet connected the philosophy uh, uh, with with the utility. Um, that didn't really happen until about 2000, about 2016, mid 2016. And then I didn't really get very deep into it until around 2017. And that's when I really began to understand, oh, wow, it has all, it, it, it subscribes to this, this philosophy that I've been a fan of since, since my early twenties, which is like this, um, you know, Austrian economics, you know, anarchism, uh, Rothbard Mises, this whole kind of thing like that. Finally, I finally understood that Bitcoin tied into that. And then I, and then I got a little more interested in 2017 and kind of following Pierre Rochard and, uh, Michael Goldstein, I believe it is. Uh, and, uh, uh Jimmy Song, Safety, all these people on Twitter. Um, I got really, I got really kind of deep into it that way. And then, and then like, the closing chapter to that is I moved to Austin last year and I've decided to work full time in Bitcoin from now on. 
And that's, that's kind of the whole, the whole journey though. Yeah. Now was it, was there a certain event? Like I know you, you said there a few times that you couldn't really piece the philosophy or you didn't get it. Was there a certain like event that happened or was it just more, just the education kept coming in and make it more sense? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a particular, I don't think it was a particular event. I think I was just on, I was on Twitter and I was, I was kind of looking for the next thing to do at the, at the same time I was, I was on Twitter, but I was, I was kind of a part of this low carb community on Twitter. And then there was a lot of crossover. I noticed, I was noticing a lot of crossover with Bitcoiners and there was like a lot of, a lot of carnivores also crossing over uh, into that low carb community. And then, and then I started, I started following some of those, uh, those Bitcoin carnivores and then I was like, oh, wow, we, uh, they, also, they also kind of agree with me on all these economic things. And then I was also looking, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out what to do after, uh, after I would leave my next job. And uh, yeah, so it kind, of, it kind of was a nice moment, but that, that, was a, that was probably the precipitating like, event was, was meeting Bitcoin Twitter accidentally. Now, that stuff is still the same today. And what I mean by that stuff is like, you know, the carnivores and, and the people that seem to just reject the normal, you know, what you would call the normie way of living. What, what do you think? Why do you think that is? Uh, since, you know, you encountered Bitcoin outside of Bitcoin, technically, right, from the carnivores moving around. Is there is it just a, a, a urge to just reject the normal stuff or is it something bigger than that, in your opinion? I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that knee jerk. I, th- I mean, I think there is like a bit of a questioning of everything. Yeah. Um, but you, you like, you like you, the carnivores aren't also like flat earthers necessarily. So I'm sure <laughs> there are, I'm sure there is a flat earth carnivore Bitcoin around, there. but like, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's pro it's pro it's not, it's not like the, the Bitcoin carnivores are rejecting everything. It's just, they see, they, I think it, I think it's, it, Rather than rejecting everything, it might be like a sensitivity to something that's broken and like detecting that there's something perhaps broken with the way we kind of view food and being willing to go back and uh, try something that's like relatively drastic, um, but potentially like transformational. Yeah. Yeah. And it's some sovereignty in a sense. I think a lot of people have, yeah. have, have spotted what's wrong. Um, I, I wouldn't say with the world, but just in their life and then have tried to reverse engineer what that problem is and just kind of discover these type of um, simple ways of living, but also being sovereign away from, you know, what we know as, you know, government way of means or the, the common education of things, which I always think it's fascinating. And then this is what I mean. The story is always fascinating. Like I came into Bitcoin really headstrong um, in the middle of 2020. So to me, it's like what I think is what I'm seeing today is new, but obviously these carnivores and these, you know, and and these sovereign, you know, looking, uh, seeking individuals have always been around. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, no, I, I was part of, I was part of like anarchist communities on the internet, um, back in God, like 2000, probably like 2005, as early as 2005, I was kind of in those communities. And a lot of those people were talking about a lot of these things. We just, I became somewhat disillusioned because we had no solutions to them other than to complain about them. Um, Mm. And that's, you know, and that, that's where Bitcoin is really cool because it's finally uh, something that, that makes some of these values um, possible in the world. And and it's neat. 
Yeah, it's, it's the weapon that's been needed for, uh, as, I guess, as long as people have been thinking about these things. Now, now the word anarchist and the term anarchist, that usually has a bad rap that goes behind it. Um, mm-hmm. it. Why do you think that is? Is it just movies? Is it just bad education? What do you think? Um, I don't. I think it. I think it is probably uh, the like stereotypes are like misinformed. Probably. Yeah. Um, as far I mean. Most of the anarchists I've met are like people who are very well read on like political philosophy and um, find the idea of like voluntary interactions with other people very compelling. Um, There, there perhaps is a subset of of anarchists, but I would say I would say they're that are a subset of anarchists that are more like the stereotype. But I would say they're they're a lot like people who are perhaps um, Satan worshiping. Like where they, where it's more, it's more so they're doing it more so for the, uh, the identity and the imagery of it. Like they want, they want to be part of something counterculture. And so they slap the anarchist symbol on everything. They Mm. do the like pentagram or whatever on everything. And they, they, they just, they, they are like pro disorder um, and just like upsetting people. Uh, But I, I think that is, I think that is just a stereotype and not, not really representative at all of of most anarchists. Yeah, would freedom fighters be a good term to attach? Freedom freedom fighters are are pretty is is maybe pretty good. I don't, but I don't know if if anarchists really want to fight or um, <laughs> if they even care too much about. I mean, they, they definitely care about their own freedom, but it, it's more like just it just seems rational that to to most of us that I think would that would that at some point subscribe to anarchism or are currently anarchists. Um, it just feels rational to be able to choose what you do in your life and not have mm. someone be able to tell you uh, what you can and can't do, assuming you don't uh, infringe on someone else's right to do the same. Gotcha. Fair enough. Yeah. Right, I'm going to shift it back just a little bit into uh, a little bit of your background here, Keon. Uh, development. So just, that's something you always knew you wanted to do. Um, did you major in it? Did you just stumble across it? Uh, how did you get into development? Um, yeah, so that's a, that's, that's cool. Uh, I didn't, I actually didn't know I wanted to be a, a programmer, uh, like in high school. I didn't do really, really well in high school. I actually didn't graduate from high school. I didn't know. I, I didn't know I wanted to be a programmer. I played a lot of sports when I was younger and that was, and I was kind of focused on that for a long time. And then once I started getting injured and kind of aging out of my, my athletic peak, I didn't really know. I didn't really have much of an identity in terms of like what I wanted to do. And I was, I was so focused on that. I didn't, I didn't realize I was, I had any intellectual capacity or appetite at all. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then, and then it wasn't until later I decided to go back to school. I was going to do pre-med. This was like in my early twenties. Um, and I, I was forced to take a prereq, a computer science prereq for the, for, for that, for, uh, pre-med. And I, I encountered a passage in, in one of the books that we were supposed to be reading for this class about artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it just like really blew my mind. And just to like, think about the possibility of potentially creating something that is, perhaps equivalent to or exceeding human intelligence, um, you know, from, 
without 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 involving biology really with that with just like a computer process something about that was really was was really cool and it latched on and then around the same time too the iphone had just come out and i was seeing a lot of people you know what people i would probably consider more artists or creators releasing releasing uh apps and deriving like uh deriving income from it like deriving yeah. enough income where they could they could they could be an, ar- an artist releasing apps uh, you know a lot of them were games but they were releasing apps on the app store and and uh independently free of anyone else with very little capital to start were able to um live live their life and i found that really compelling too and so i was like maybe i should take more computer science classes and then i took more computer science classes and I was, I was pretty much hooked. I had no idea it'd even be lucrative. Like I thought I would, I thought I'd be um, making a teacher salary. Um, I didn't realize the market really valued programmers that much. I I remember the first time I realized um, the market valued programmers. One of my friends went off to do a internship at Google one summer during college. And I was like, how much are they paying you? And he's like, oh, for the summer, they're paying me, I think it was like $45,000 for the summer. And I'm like, I'm like, what, I'm like, what are you even doing? And he's like, uh, uh, he's like, I'm not really doing much of anything. Bear, bear, bear in mind, this is like 2010. And he, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, wow, that's incredible. He's ma- he was making almost what I thought I'd be making in a year long salary. But he's like, that $45,000 is just to prepare you for what, what to expect you eventually get paid. So um, I was, I was like, wow, this thing that I had fallen in love with that I, that I found that I don't, I don't really want to do anything else, but do this thing. It happens to also be valuable to the market. And I was, um, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, but yeah, I was kind of late. I was kind of late to programming. Yeah. That was the, uh, around the time where you can sell a, uh, a fart making app for a dollar and get paid. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was the, around 2008. Yeah. You could, you could, you could get rich on a fart making app. It's like, it's like a, an <laughs> NFT a minting launch thing now. And it doesn't, and that wasn't even too long ago is the, is the, I think the part that people forget. I mean, that was just a blink of an eye if you think about it. <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, it's super, I mean, to us old people, it's like, it feels like a blink of an eye, but to like, if you talk to a 15 year old, they're like, oh, that was so long ago. So I think, yeah, that's I think it was, I think it was a really long time ago. We're just old. <laughs> that's a good point. Battle point. Now, before we get into a stack of news, I think I just want to clean off the table on any, uh, have did you contribute or did you create any products before you started working on Stack of News that you want to bring up here or um, a lot? I mean, I created a lot of them. I think I tried to ca- I tried to count uh, how many star- how many like startups I quote unquote failed or didn't didn't really take off in a huge way. I think it was something like seven projects. So in college, I created a location based wiki. It was an iOS app. It was kind of, you can kind of think of it like Wikipedia, but it was a map and uh, you could interact, you know, like other people could put location-based content in there. And it was just for the college town I lived in. I did that. I did another startup where you review things with friends on it. It was kind of like Yelp, but you could review anything on it. And it would, it would only give you reviews based on who you were connected to. Uh, friendship-wise, that, that failed spectacularly. Um, <laughs> It was, it failed worse than, than my, my call, co- the college project I did somewhere in there t- before I did the, the review app, I did a, another app that allowed you to, it basically turned a Facebook page into 
like an anonymous confessions thing where you could post anonymous, you could anonymously post things to the Facebook page. And, uh, it was, it was, it was very like, uh, trendy at that time to have, there was like yik yak. And I think secret was another one where app, these apps where people would go on and confess their, uh, whatever they wanted to confess anonymously. And so I made, I made something like that. Oh, there, there are like, so, there are so many others. Um, those are like the early memorable ones more recently before stacker news, I created um, like a Pinterest for doctors that's still going. Uh, we don't, we don't really work on it very actively, very like, but, uh, it's still going and ha- and generates ad revenue and has like, I think it's only like 300,000 people on it a month. Oh, so wow. what's it called? Um, uh, Gretmed. Gretmed. And when you mean Pinterest for doctors, is it just means that doctors can ex- exclusively post, uh, topics that, that people can scroll through? I mean, uh, how does that work? Uh, yeah. So it's like, it's like Pinterest in that you like upload images and videos okay. and, uh, it's only images and videos. That's like the only content on there. Um, that the, it doesn't, there's no real, there's no real way to like determine someone, whether someone's a doctor or not. So right. it's, mo- it's mostly, but the content is all focused towards doctors. It's, it's like all, it's like all the medical guidelines. My co-founder who is an internist, um, is very into like evidence-based medicine. So it's all of, uh, you know, like the highest yield, uh, evidence-based med- medicine graphics on there. And we fell into like an SEO niche and it tend- it did kind of well. Nice. Now, so is the idea, it sounds like for you has always been, um, create an app that you can build a business around. Have you ever just built anything that was just for fun uh, or is it always just, let's try to get this thing off the ground and build a business around it? Yeah. So the business thing is probably like the last thing I thought about, um, that project I mentioned during college, the location-based wiki, that was, I never intended to build a business. I probably could have built a business around it because it did really well. I just didn't realize that having 5,000 users like meant something. I thought it was, I thought it was like a blip. I thought it was like, Oh, it doesn't have, like, it's not taking off. It's not getting shared everywhere. It's only, it only has 5,000, uh, uh, downloads. No, and it's probably not a big deal. I had other people reaching out to me about it, but for some reason I thought it wasn't a business. And so I just like, I assumed it was a failure that, um, some of that confessions page I mentioned that that had about 2000 users. I probably could have turned that into a business too. Um, but I didn't, I, I, similarly, I didn't realize that that level of traction was something you could turn into a business. I thought, I thought something had to blow up to a million people very right. fast for it to mean something. I didn't, re- and, and uh, it didn't occur to me until several, you know, several failures later that those er- that those early, there were early indications of something that, that could succeed um, and, and turn it into a business. Um, but those, those are things that I've made for that. I mean, there, there, there are other projects uh, that I do for learning. Like I made, I made a, when I was initially getting into Bitcoin, I like made like a little Ber- a Merkle tree library and understood how Merkle trees work. Um, little, little programming projects. But right now I like, I, I really, I really enjoy the idea of someone using what I make. Yeah. And so it lends itself really well to uh, starting a business around. If, if you have that inclination to want to provide value to other people, um, you might be able to enter into a relationship with someone where you're continually providing them value and they give you some value back. But, yeah, and that's a business. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is uh, actually a good segue to start getting into Stacker News. Um, I didn't want to start here, but it's just something that popped into my head. So 
you have a history of making applications. I had a little bit of run in 2018 where I was doing Android apps. So I have a little bit of experience of trying to publish into the Play Store. Now I've noticed that as of yet, I'm sure it may be coming. Stacker News is not a you know typical app on a phone, but you have an ex- experience with doing apps for phones. Um, is it the difficulty of dealing with the Google and the Apples of the world? Was it a more strategic de- decision to not make a Stacker News app? What, what was the logic behind that? Um, yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a big question there. (laughs) No, no, it's not, it's not that. uh, So a lot of you, a lot of users request a a mobile app. Um, the main reason why I haven't done it is because it'll slow me down a lot. Uh, right now I can, right now, if you, if you wanted something to change on Stacker News right now, and it was, it was relatively small, I could, while we're talking right now, I could go in and change the code and within, within a minute or two, it would be changed on the website with, and that's just, that's just one example, but, but like the, in, in the app store, if I create an app, I now have to sub- go through a submission process to get it approved. So there's like a huge lag between me submitting something. The other, the other thing is a lot of Bitcoin apps get rejected from the app store. So mm. it's, it's, it, you know, even if I created a Stacker News, iOS and Android app, there's no, at, at, at Google or Apple's will, I, I, I it, it might've been a wasted effort and it, it can't get updated. I know, I know Sphinx chat has this issue on iOS. Um, I'm sure there are many other Bitcoin apps that have the same problem. Um, the other thing is like com- uh, complexity of code management. So uh, right now I have one code base and any, an, a person with an Android phone, an iOS phone, a, a laptop computer, a desktop computer, a tablet, all of those people can run Stacker News and use Stacker News uh, today. But if I do, if I do an iOS or an Android, if I do an iOS app, then I need an, I, a, an iOS code base. When I do an Android app, I need an Android code base. I can maybe use something like React Native that, that uh, deploys on both, but it's still, it's still, it's at least one other code base that I have to maintain other than my, other than the website. And I can't take down the website because users still expect that to exist. So I'd be basically, I'd be more or less doubling my work at least yeah. by adding adding a mobile app, so I intend to do it uh, eventually. It's just, it, it's just I'm not sure I'm not sure it's worth doing doing yet just yet. Yeah, yeah. Just off the um, what you were saying there, the uh, the rejection or the possible rejection of an Apple or a you know of a Google to have that authority. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that would just be. Backwards, if that makes sense. And because you're opening up your time to be able to, you know, get updates out on the fly, you can actually focus on the user as opposed to, you know, a, a revenue or any other type of thing to deal with. All right. Yeah. Let's talk Stacker News. Okay. All right. I've been using it. I think I remember the very first time um, I was out there in Austin and you literally onboarded me right there with a lightning wallet right. immediately. <laughs> that was, you know, one of the moments where I was like, oh, shit. Now I'm still figuring out how I can best use Stacker News. But for the listeners that don't know Stacker News, please explain it to them in a TLDR. And uh, if you can explain to me, what was it that you were trying to solve by creating Stacker News? Uh, yeah, so the TLDR is, um, it's like Reddit, but your karma is Bitcoin. So um, that's, that's, the kind, that's kind of TLDR. The, like if you want to extend that out a couple more sentences, it, it, costs, it costs a sat to post or comment. Um, and upvote and but all but all the upvotes you receive in addition to tips or anything else 
that's all Bitcoin that you can withdraw at the site at any time. So it's kind of like it's kind of like if Reddit's karma system were built on a decentralized ledger that the rest of the world uh, accepted as money. Um, that, that's that, that's that's basically what what Stacker News is. It's it's um it it uses Bitcoin as a karma system. And that that you know, have you seen or have you found over time that that kind of flushes out a lot of the nonsense because those nonsense or cloud chasers are not willing to pay the set? Um, I don't. I'm not, I'm actually don't think that that has come to come to bear yet. Like, I, there are people who. Who will post nonsense on Stacker News, but I think, I think most most Bitcoiners are more conscientious than I would say the average person, um, and I think they, you know, so the the, the the Stacker News filters out people who aren't Bitcoiners pretty much because you have to you kind of have to use Lightning to be able to interact with it, um, and so it 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 makes sure the 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 worst user is at least a Bitcoiner and uh, most Bitcoiners are above average people. So that, that's, that like helps. <laughs> um, and then uh, right now it is, it is just one cent to post or comment. Um, but you know, there's still there, we have, we have additional mechanisms like a, we have like a trust algorithm. Like we determine whether a user is, is trustworthy based on a few, a few things uh, that affect whether other people, other users end up seeing your content. So that's kind of, it's kind of like uh, Reddit in that way where it had, you know, not, not all upvotes are the same. Upvotes from certain users are count for more than upvotes from other users. Um, yeah. And there, and, you know, and there's possibility to increase the, uh, the cost to post or comment to the point where it is actually, uh, would actually discourage someone, um, from really abusing it if they had that intent. But so far we're so small, no one's really had too much of a, of a malicious intent to, uh, that, that, we've, that we've seen. So was the, the problem you were trying to solve, if any, just to make a better Reddit? Is that safe to say? Or is it deeper than that? <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird because you... Um, from the inside, for like when we all look at products from the outside, it always is think the person had the whole like vision flushed out from the beginning and they're making it a reality. Um, for me, it was, it was, it wasn't making a better Reddit. It was like, how do I, I want more Bitcoin news. So um, like, I want to find Bitcoin news more easily. So uh, why don't I, why don't I uh, create a place where people can post Bitcoin news and Oh, shouldn't it use Bitcoin? And Oh, Sphinx chat just came out and they're using Bitcoin for spam prevention. Oh, the lightning. Yeah. The lightning network is really cool. Why don't I do more things with the lightning network? And then it, you know, and so the, it's almost like you get like this, the door to like the vision is like cracked at the very beginning. And it's just, it's just like recognizing that like light flowing out of the edge of the door. And as you're building the thing, you're, you're kind of wedging the door further and further open. So I, I, I like still don't know what the, what the, Stacker news looks like, you know, five years from now, assuming we still exist. I'm, I'm hoping we still exist and I'll, I'll probably be, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm be working very hard to keep, to make sure we do. But, um, I have no, I mean, it, so many things could change. I had no idea I'd be doing this thing where I get, I, you know, I, I, I was, I was making a thousand dollars a month on 
job post, but then giving it all back to my users. Like I had no idea I'd be doing that. And that's just like kind of, it's just like what, what eventually ended up happening. I had no idea that, you know, some users would have, would have AMAs that would, that would net them, you know, uh, 150,000 sats. Like these things like didn't occur to me at the beginning. And um, I'm sure I'm going to be surprised by so many more things that happen eventually. Yeah, it's like an onion that keeps on peeling itself pretty much. Yeah. You get, you get yeah. to the center at some point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so one of the things, because um, we know, you know, well, as Bitcoiners, we know that this is not possible on-chain just because of, you know, the, the simplicity of one sat being sent out or the complexity, depending on how you look at it. Um, so I'm very, I've been very fascinated lately with not only uh, Lightning and how difficult it is to work with from what I hear, but the many different implementations of Lightning. Can you chime in on that from your experience? Is it really difficult to work on Lightning? Is that just more of a you know misnomer? What are your thoughts on working with Lightning? I mean, it depends on which facet of working with Lightning um, you mean. As as far as development, I would say it's not it's not super hard. Uh, I mean, you have to get a node up and you have to uh, put some Bitcoin on it. And open channels and and maintain uh, a decent balance among your channels. Um, so there's that part that's kind of perhaps unique to Bitcoin and Lightning. So you need to run a node and, and do some of this channel management stuff. Um, but the other the other aspect of of developing an app on Lightning, at least at least in a context where you have a custodial wallet, um, like the the net, the other th- the only other thing you really have to do is uh, is interact with the, the APIs that the nodes, that the implementations provide. And that's like, if you wanted to integrate any kind of payment, you would have to interact with an, an API, someone that, someone that wraps a bank like Stripe um, or someone, you know, a, a PayPal before, before Stripe existed, um, you, would have, you would have to interact with an API. So that's not much different. So there are, there, I say there's, I think there's a lot of difficulties in, in terms of like creating a non-custodial web wallet I think there's a lot that can be done there. There's also a bunch of issues with like users trying to send funds to your node. Perhaps they don't have the right liquidity in between you, in between them and and your node. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think of it as terribly hard. I mean, it could certain everything can get easier. You know, like I, yeah. you know, maybe I, you know, maybe we. I didn't have to hit a button to start this call with you like that. Maybe, maybe, you know, some, maybe in the, in the future we'll have some kind of brain machine interface that, that makes it so I don't have to hit the button, but, but at some point it's like, it's pretty easy. Um, I guess running a node and everything is kind of hard, but then you have voltage who kind of uh, will do a lot of that hard work for you. Yeah. Um, so there, there's, you know, there's a variety, there's like a variety of uh, ways to make, make your life easier. Um, as far as like the implementations, I use LND. Um, it se- it was the, the the reason why I chose it was it seemed like the the community there was more active, really. And then I extrapolated a number of things from it. I hadn't actually used Core Lightning uh, back then; it was called C Lightning. Um, but I hear great things about it, and I think it's looking more and more interesting as time goes on to a lot of developers because of the rich plugin system, because they're a little more uh, focused on specs and uh, upgrades to the protocol than some of the other implementations. Um, but I can't, I mean, 
I can't really speak to like the differences because I haven't really used Core Lightning much. I haven't used Eclair at all. I hear great things about LDK. Um, I, I talk to a lot of people who are building things on LDK um, and they seem to, to really enjoy how modular it is. Um, but I don't, I don't really have much of a, like a, a developed opinion on them. I use L and D and it works pretty fine for now. So. Yeah. Now in your opinion, do you think eventually, you know, we have to get to one protocol here? Because I think a lot of the misconception with the average user is, is that there is only one lightning network, right? They don't understand the different implementations and the different protocols like you just stated. Now, do you think it's bad for everybody to keep working on their specific one? Or, or at some point, do we have to make up our mind and say, this is it. This is the Lightning Network. Um, well, so each implementation isn't, isn't its own, doesn't, doesn't have its own protocol, but each of them is now, they're, they're somewhat divergent in the features um, they're adding to the protocol. So there isn't really required consensus among all of them, like in Bitcoin, where we need every node to, to have all of the same protocol features. Um, it's... Yeah, like there, there is no, there is no like global consensus that has to be reached. Okay. Um, but you might not be able to communicate with other nodes if your, um, if your node doesn't support protocol features that that node requires. I see. Um, I don't know. That's a, it's a decent, it's a decent. There's a lot of um, conversation to be had around like whether whether multiple implementations is good or not. Um, I know with Bitcoin Core or, or Bitcoin, the Bitcoin protocol itself, it seems most people have arrived at the conclusion that we should just really have one Bitcoin implementation. And, and it's kind of a sad state of affairs because it, the implementation becomes, becomes what defines the protocol. Um, and the implementation will have bugs that then, then become almost like protocol features. Um, or like it becomes, you become, if you want to, if you want to create an alternative implementation, you have to implement the bugs that are in Bitcoin core. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I think, in the, I think it's less, it, it's, it's certainly less of a concern around, uh, the difficulties of multiple implementations in, uh, in the lightning network because it doesn't need to reach global consensus. And if I, if I create my own lightning network node implementation and it sucks, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's only, it's only really me who's, who's using it. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It also doesn't matter in Bitcoin core and Bitcoin protocol. It doesn't matter either. Um, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really break, break the network in a serious way. It just kind of prevents the users who have, who have the different version from being able to interact with, with people, people with other implementations. Um, yeah, in short, I really don't know. I really don't know. I don't think I don't think we'll need one implementation of Lightning. I think we might converge on one. I mean, I think I think it, I think uh, for Lightning implementations, it's going to end up a lot more like uh, browsers. That that seems to be like the closest um, like thing or analogy that I can come up with, where they're all kind of independently developed and they can all kind of have their own different feature sets. And, uh, but, but the market tends to, um, pick a, pick a winner and yeah. like most people end up using that browser and, uh, but we have a bunch of browser, other types of browsers that exist. And I think that's fine. 
Um, and I think it's, it's, it's roughly what we see in the lightning implementation space now is you have a, you have a, the dominant lightning implementation L and D and then you have, which is, which is maybe to, to some people, to some people's uh, dissatisfaction is not perhaps part of the spec process or engaging in the spec process very much, uh, because they don't have to, they don't, they don't need a spec because they, they control, um, most of you know, most of the nodes on the network, more or less, they don't, they control the code that they, the code that they're running the, so they don't, they don't have to really, uh, try to, try to get the other implementations to agree to implement something. And that's kind of what you saw with IE where it deviated pretty heavily from, um, uh, web standards. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I don't think it'll, de- it'll stay that way forever. Um, IE eventually fell out of grace and, um, uh, we might, we might I see is, that happen with lightning implementations and an explorer when you say, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Internet explorer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now the browser analogy, I really actually like, um, would, would different type of currency analogies work here too? Meaning that like right now, if I wanted to use the Euro, I would have to convert that dollar into the Euro to then, tra- uh, you know, trade with people that are accepting the Euro. So if I wanted to use, let's just say, you know, LND, then I needed to trade some Bitcoin onto that protocol, to that network, that implementation, and then trade with those users? Or is that just a bad analogy in itself? I think it's a, I think it's a bad analogy because it's more like, um, that I w- how, how is this better? Because there's no conversion between Lightning implementations that needs to take place. They're all talking, okay. in, in the currency metaphor, they're all talking USD. But I mean, they're mm. all talking, they're all talking, they're all talking the protocol the protocol of lightning. They all implement the similar protocol, implement the same bolts. I mean, some of them are, some of them have additional features, additional bolts, these, uh, these, uh, improvement proposals for, for lightning, but, um, yeah, there's no, there's no conversion. So if you have a C lightning node and I have an L and D node, we can open a channel together and we can, yeah. And that, that works perfectly fine. Um, uh, there isn't, there isn't any disagreement on like the core protocol features. It's just kind of where like new protocol features, that's where we're beginning, beginning to get some disagreement. Um, and so you have, you potentially have a, a situation where, uh, you have a lot of core lightning nodes that implement bolt 12, but if you're, if you're not running a core lightning node, um, you can't interact with bolt 12. You, you have to, you, you, you'd have to change to use a core lightning node. Um, so that's kind of, that's, uh, so that's why I think browsers are perhaps a better analogy because they're yeah. kind of, they're kind of these independent things. They all, they all read a web page and yeah. all lightning implementations, they all speak, speak the core lightning protocol. It's just, you know, some, some browsers might allow an animated GIF and other ones don't. And, yeah. No. Great yeah. example there. Yeah. Well, we'll go with the browser one then. We'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, this is something that I've bumped into lately and, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could appreciate this as a programmer, but I want to know where your place lies uh, or where you stand in simplicity versus, um, I guess, sovereignty. I, I don't know what the word I'm using here, but I'll give you the example. So, you know, I run my own node. We, you, you were stating a little bit earlier about a li- a, the complexities of maybe opening channels and having the right liquidity in and the right liquidity out. And then on the other hand, we could use custodial lightning implementations like Cash App and instantly get that satisfaction of seeing it go through, as opposed to 75% of my uh, transactions through my node are bottlenecked or I'm getting errors. Um, 
Now, I know things will get easier over time, but at, and this is a conversation that was happening on Twitter. At what point do we does lightning start trending towards like a PayPal 2.0 instead of, you know, like a, a sovereign privacy tool, which is what us Bitcoiners want our currency to be? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure at what point it, it, it should be of concern to all of us that um, who want who want the kind of sovereign world. And uh, it seems to be just a, a whole lot easier to um, defer things to a custodian. There are not, there are like some nice um, hybrid models. You have this kind of, this kind of like hosted channel model um, where you kind of only, you only have one channel open to uh, what, what it's called an LSP and you're still, but you're still maintaining the keys. You still have to kind of like sign transactions. There's, you know, Greenlight um, has, an interesting approach to this where you, you, again, you hold on to your keys, but they run the node, manage the liquidity. I, I believe they manage the liquidity and stuff for you. Um, so I think there's like, there's enough awareness in the space that we might become a little, we might be, we, I think we're getting kind of defensive against the potential future of, um, you know, custodians winning. Uh, but I, I suspect there is, the future is more of like, a variety of approaches. I think so long as we still make it possible to be sovereign, I think that's that's pretty much good enough. You can't you can't really be sovereign with cash today. Um, like if we if we take away lightning and everything, um, you can't. It's very difficult to protect a hoard of cash in your house right now. So um, while you while you can well you I guess you could be sovereign and have gold and and cash. It's really hard to defend. Um, and it's really hard to transport around and everything. So, um, I think Bitcoin provides a lot of uh, a lot of utility. Like, it still makes it possible for you to be sovereign. I don't think you nece- you necessarily have to be sovereign to make good use of Bitcoin. But I think it it um, is one of the great features of Bitcoin is that you can be. And um, it leads me to believe that the future will be will be a hybrid approach. And you'll see people who are like institutional investors. They don't need, they don't need to be their own. Maybe they don't need to be their own custodians. Like that's, that's maybe too much of a headache for them. They, they don't care. Um, you know, it's kind of good that the technology allows for them to not have to care about it and someone else can do it. Um, but I think it's really important that people who are maybe otherwise excluded from a traditional financial system, have the ability to get around them by being by being so, like self-sovereign, and I think so long as we keep that in mind as we're developing things, and um, I think I think we'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a fantastic answer. I I, I agree. I mean, you you use it how you want to use it, but as long as you have the avenue to use it, the and you know, and the way you choose to, that's going to be the best uh, case scenario. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, I get from seventy-five percent of my transactions up to. A hundred percent of my no <laughs> transactions, but I also Where? understand the liquidity problem. It might be me. It might not be, you know, the network. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know who you have channels open to, but uh, that usually helps to have channels open to hubs in the network. Um, but we don't really want this design in the network, but it is kind of a hub and spoke network where we end up. A lot of people end up connecting to kind of these like mega nodes who have like a lot of Bitcoin on them and a lot of liquidity. And that's okay. And then, yeah, of course, you can de- you can deplete your own um, channel uh, 
the balance of your channel such that you have no, you can't send Bitcoin from your channel. And that's, that's always, uh, there's, there's no getting around that other than looping, uh, back into your channel or, uh, opening a new one with, with, with Bitcoin. So it's like, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit of a pain, but, um, yeah, I think it'll get better. Yeah. I'm worth the pain. I mean, just one of those guys. That <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. I, I had my notes set up since 2020, but it was specifically for just podcasting, value for value, streaming sats oh, in. Cool. Um, so I didn't really need major channels, right? I didn't need any of that stuff. And then as of lately, I wanted to take the um, sovereign approach as for a few plans that I have for the website, uh, which is, you know, maybe offering some merchandise and stuff like that. Um, so then I try, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be lazy and I'm just going to do open node. It is what it is. Invoice system, yeah. whatever. Uh, shout out to John, by the way, ZapRite. I should be using ZapRite, but no. uh, <laughs> um, I tried open node and then I really got disgruntled with the whole KYC process, right? Like I have to take a picture of my face, all this stuff. And on top of all that, they still want 1% out of every transaction. Yeah. So with things like BTC pay server out there, I'm thinking, well, why the hell am I doing that? I have a node here. Let's rock and roll. Um, it hasn't been smooth. Uh, it's been quite the journey to try to get it all set up and to get it to run properly. I finally got it set up properly to where it's masking my IP address from home and all that good stuff and others. And then I don't have liquidity. <laughs> so I forgot about the liquidity aspect. I tell a buddy of mine's real, you know, real cocky. Hey, donate, you know, check out, you know, the, on the website, you can donate now BTZ pay server and they couldn't donate anything because I didn't have any inbound liquidity for that node. <laughs> uh, so long story short, that's basically what I'm working on now is, uh, you know, getting deeper into the, th the stuff of lightning that I thought I already knew, but obviously I don't know shit about shit. And it's starting, <laughs> it's starting to play full circle here. So, um, I like the pain though. I like the learning experience. I think everybody should go through it. Um, a completely different example, but same thing with seed signer, right? I'm waiting for a seed signer to show up. And the reason being is, is because I think hardware wallets in general have kind of made the majority of the people fall asleep at the wheel is what I like to say. So, you set up your private keys, you start dumping into cold storage, but you don't really interact with this private key, right? You don't really interact with your devices every now and then you sign. But now with the seed signer, it's like I could just literally just have a whole education one-on-one on, you know, multi-sig and X-pubs. And, and, and that's really what I want to do is to like absorb the pain of learning to be able to fully, fully understand these things. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's the right approach. I think, I mean, I think learning is kind of, is pain. Uh, I think, I mean, I think. <laughs> I think, I think that's what it requires, it requires to learn is, is, and the pain is really just, uh, you having expectations that something is going to turn out a certain way and it doesn't. Um, and that's really not that bad. And if that, if that, if at the end of that, you learn something, um, you get better at something, you gain a skill. Um, that's a really fair cost to pay is your expectations aren't met about what you can do. And it, you just continually go through that. And eventually your expectations will be met about what you can do. And, um, it'll all pay off, but yeah, it is like a very low time preference thing, uh, learning, um, but well worth it, I think. Yeah. You got to want it enough. Um, yeah. all right, Kia, I'm almost close to wrapping up here. I can't go a whole conversation, but I would talk about Pleb Labs. So I know you've been, you know, since the very beginning in Pleb Labs, uh, what's your relationship, uh, with Pleb Labs, uh, officially? Cause uh, I know you, you've been around, but I don't know if it's like actually doing some leadership there or if you just, yeah, yeah, I'm 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 a co-founder of Pleb Lab. Um yeah, Figured. I was there when it first started. 
you know, we all signed the incorporation documents. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm full-time on stacker news, so I can't, I'm not full-time on, on Pleblab obviously, but, uh, I try to spend as much time in, uh, working on Pleblab with Kyle and Carr as, as I can. Um, yeah, it's mostly, I would say it's a lot, it's a lot of like, you know, here's what I know about startups and that's probably not going to work and that's probably not going to work. And, or I'll talk, I'll, I mean, I, a lot of the guys are in the same, in the same position to me. So I don't really have much, um, you know, I don't, I'm not an expert, so I don't have expert advice to give to anyone, but I can give advice to be like, this is how I've seen, I've, cause I've been watching the startup space for a long time. I've seen a startup that looks like that. And this is maybe how you, how you maybe approach that problem. Um, or this is a person I've talked to already in the space and, and this is, this is how they say you approach that problem. Um, so I just, I, I, I mostly serve the role as like speaking for the found for the, for the founders that Pleb Lab has in it. That's kind of, I, just, I like represent them as best I can to Carr and Kyle so that we make decisions, um, that founders will like. Um, yeah. And I guess, it, and it was kind of. The idea for us all to work together was was my idea, um, but the ple- like creating an accelerator was not my idea. That was Kyle's idea, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I, w- I just wanted I wanted to get all uh, get book winners to work together. I just thought it was so cool. I had watched um, Halt and Catch Fire on AMC, which is like this show about the early internet and computers, and they had a group of hackers together living in a house, and they were changing the world with you know, internet technology and, and early computer technology. And, um, and I knew how valuable, like being in close proximity to people who are working on similar problems to you is. And that's, that's kind of what I wanted. And then, um, in an attempt to make it, you know, more sustainable, uh, you know, we, we taught, we called it plug lab and it's an accelerator. Yeah, and it's it's doing magical things. I, I love everything that Plot Labs is doing. Um, and kudos to you, Kyle and Carr. Um, you guys have been great to me in the little bit of time that I've known you guys. Always been open to, you know, helping me out and, and coming on the show, right, and supporting. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you guys in that. And now this is more of a hypothetical question, um, but it kind of, you know, goes into the next question. Um, what's the magic in Austin? Would, would, would Plot Labs work anywhere else? Uh, or is it just an Austin thing, if in your opinion? I, I mean, I personally don't think it would. I have I know people who are who are maybe uh, thinking about creating them in San Francisco and other places. Um, I don't think it would be nearly as fruitful as it is here, and I think it's just because there's such a concentration of Bitcoiners, like such a high concentration relative to some of these other places. Like I think if you took all the Bitcoiners in the Bay Area and so, like uh, you you'd maybe get a similar number, if not more, Bitcoiners in the Bay Area than there are in Austin. But the like the number of Bitcoiners that are in Austin for its size are are quite large. So like on an individual basis, the well, like the the likelihood that someone you encounter in Austin is a Bitcoiner is like much higher than anywhere else I believe, um, in the world. So that, that's why I think it works. Um, and, uh, and, and there was, and it's, and I think that's why, you know, Austin gained that status. It was maybe only had a slight edge at some point, but there was like enough noise created from Austin Bitcoiners on Bitcoin, Twitter, et cetera, that 
uh, it attracted even more Bitcoiners. And now it's like a bit of a snowball thing. And so um, I hope that people, people create hacker houses and things for other Bitcoiners and other in other places. I just don't think it'll be as successful because it's not, it just doesn't have enough Bitcoiners in the same area uh, as Austin does. And that's, that's really the magic is like being in person with people who have, who share your mission. Uh, yeah. 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 No, I've gotten that vibe. Uh, hopefully be, you know, in the next few months here, be down there with y'all because, um, yeah. I, oh, you're not I'm, here. Okay. I'm not here. No, every time you see me, I, I fly in. I'm there often. No, really? Yeah, yeah. I fly often because, you know, Unchained Capital and, and the job and stuff. But um, I thought yeah, you moved. Oh, no. It's been in the works for like a year. That's probably why you thought so. I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, always, yeah, so, I always see you. All right. It, it literally, it feels like it. But so today, a few hours from now, literally, I'm going to go and sign the purchase and sales agreement for the house. Uh, oh, cool. may, maybe divulging a little too much here for the listeners, but <laughs> congrats. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully, like I said, it'll be more of a permanent thing and, um, I get to soak all, you know, everything you guys got going on and full time and not just part time. Oh, um, yeah. last question for you, Keon, what has you excited in the Bitcoin space? Is there anything in specific or are you just kind of just chugging along and, and waiting to see what's next? Wow. That's a big one. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm, I'm really interested in uh, what's going on with like decentralized social media stuff. So it, this is kind of Bitcoin tangential, but I'm, I think I've been watching the Noster community a lot. And that's kind of interesting. Uh, this protocol that Fiat Joff created that a lot of uh, that's, that's really, it's beautiful in its simplicity and uh, has a lot of, it's gained quite a bit of momentum in terms of like people, people wanting to toy around with it. Um, I think that's really cool. And then, so I, I, I tend to take this perspective on decentralized social media and that I think we'll get a, a decentralized social media system that really works when it has incentives built into it that are similar to Bitcoins. Um, and I don't, so I pay a lot of attention to technology there. One thing I'm kind of really looking forward to are these things called PTLCs um, that uh, Taproot enables us to have in, in Lightning channels. It's a bit complicated technically, but that's kind of interesting. And I think it'll allow us maybe to provide some more types of things to, to lay, to basically layer threes. Um, what else is going on? I mean, there's, there's like, there's, there's so much stuff getting built. Um, I'm really just interested in, in like where, what do, what do people want? What do users want? It seems like we're getting, we're getting some more and more adoption of lightning. Um, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to like more of that collision between like real world use cases and, and Bitcoin. And just, I know there's going to be really cool stuff that comes out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking, I don't know about a few of those things, but I'm lightning has me rewrapped because I thought I had it figured out. And now just like the ability, like, you know, Valley for Valley podcasting and what that can open up for content creators um, has me kind of blown away and, and the doors that come from that. Yeah. So, um, so as I told you before, we you got on the show, five uh, percent of all the streams that come in value for value here to the podcast are going to open sets. I like to offer my my guests a five percent just for their time and just for their you know their their good words and time time pretty much. Um, so I want to leave it open for you, good sir. Where would you want to send your five percent of these sets? Yeah, let's 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 send them to open sets. You said you give another five. You get you already give five percent to open sets. Oh yeah, you can match it. We can make that ten percent. Yeah, let's do, let's just do, let's do 10%. I love what they're doing. And uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think that sounds good. 
Sounds good to me. All right. Well, I appreciate you. I'll make sure that that, you know, the episode gets 10% going over to open sets. Um, Keon, this has been fantastic. I want to give you an opportunity to just, you know, let the listeners know where they can follow you, where they can find Stacker News, how they can get on board and anything you want here, a section for you to plug your work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's stacker.news is the website and the footer. You can link to my, my Twitter's there. I don't really tweet a whole bunch, but uh, it's there. Um, stacker underscore news on Twitter. Um, just come, come check out, come check out Stacker News. Uh, sign up for an account. Uh, it's pretty simple. And uh, if you have any questions, you know, ask them. Um, I, my DMs are open. You know, holler at me. What you know, whatever. <laughs> Appreciate your time, good sir. Yeah, and folks, if you haven't been listening to the show and you don't have a Lightning wallet already. Get yourself one, whether it's custodial or non-custodial, just to get a little bit of taste. You could go on Stacker News. You could provide some feedback. You can earn some sats there with the airdrop. We didn't talk about the airdrop, but that's fantastic. No. Um, and uh, conversely, you can support uh, open source developers through open sats by streaming value for value here on Fountain App or on Breeze. So check us out and please show them some love. Keeps the lights on, supports good developers that keep this privacy uh, technology alive and well. Uh, and we need to be able to support those things. As for viewing this video, check us out on Bitcoin TV. That's probably the best place you can check us out. And that's another platform that I hope can one day take over the YouTubes of the world. But if you're not Bitcoin ready and you're not Lightning ready, we're also available on all the other legacy platforms. You can check us out on YouTube, Spotify, and all those other good places. As always, we appreciate y'all. Kian, I appreciate you. And that's going to wrap up another episode. Later, y'all. Bye.